Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. All right, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am super excited to announce another lovely guest coming on the show. This is Melissa. Melissa, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Thanks, Becky. Um, yep, my name is Melissa Klopacki. I currently live in New Jersey. Um, I am a chronic Lyme disease patient. I have Lyme disease. I have a Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Babesia, and Bartonella, all um, tick-borne diseases, most likely from a tick bite um, that I received sometime back in 2009. I'm one of the many patients diagnosed with Lyme disease that never saw a tick, a tick bite, um, had any sort of immediate reaction. In fact, I woke up on Mother's Day in 2009 and my left hand was numb. And I thought to myself, oh, that's weird. I slept on my hand wrong um, and took my I had two little boys at the time who were maybe a year and a half and three, um, took them to a music class and came home and said to my husband, you know, I'm not really feeling great. I think I'm going to go lay down for a little bit. And I went to lay down. And as I was laying there, I thought to myself, is my left foot going numb? That's kind of weird. Is my hand still numb? And now my foot is numb. So I called my doctor's office and they said, yeah, that sounds strange. Why don't you come in? Um, we have one last appointment and we'll hold it for you. So I sped into the doctor's office. By the time I sat across from the doctor, my left face was numb. I went to the ER, was admitted for two days, run through a ton of studies. Um, the only thing they picked up at the time was a low white blood cell count, your normal white blood cell count. Normal, the low end is about four and I was about two and a half. So significantly lower, but nothing else um, on my blood work showed anything. My brain scans were fine. They thought maybe it was the beginning of a multiple sclerosis diagnosis. I was sent home to be monitored by uh, a neurologist for the next six months. Frustrated, right? It was very strange for something like that to happen. I, at the time I was, um, let's see, 38 years old, um, had just gone through two pregnancies very successfully, no complications, should be super healthy. Um, was always active as an athlete in college. Um, and I found that after I left the hospital, I had the numbness went away over a, a few days, um, had massive, massive headaches, and then a week of very bad fatigue. And then it was gone. As quickly as it came, it was gone. And I thought, okay, that was a blip on the radar. A little bit strange. Going to you know, get my life back and keep moving forward. And then that summer, I started to have digestion issues. Um, never in a million years thought the two were had anything to do with each other, went back to the doctor, a battery of blood work. Uh, I was now anemic. Um, they couldn't figure out where I was losing so much blood from besides the monthly period. So I had an endoscopy, I had a colonoscopy, and I actually had a camera biopsy where you swallow a capsule that contains a camera and it takes pictures every, I don't know, a couple times a second as it travels through your entire system and then you poop it out. All of those found nothing. I was completely healthy inside, no bleeding internally. Um, and that was sort of a mystery. Meanwhile, I had pockets of pain in my stomach and no one could figure out why my fatigue levels would follow a sort of pattern. I, every, you know, sometime during the month I would hit like a wall and a week of really bad fatigue. So that was, that was really my first set of symptoms. Um, it wasn't until 2014 that I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. In fact, found a functional medicine doctor who 
really saved my life, diagnosed me with very high levels of heavy metals, including mercury and aluminum, put me on a one-year, very slow detox. And at the end of the year, when my um, results came back from my heavy metal testing and everything was beautifully low um, and I was still feeling horrible, she thought, this, something is really wrong. Like, this, we're not getting to the root of this. We've sort of taken, it, taken away all the layers at the bottom of what could be bringing my health down and still not getting an answer. So she consulted with some colleagues who said, it sounds like Lyme disease. My doctor said, no, no, she's been tested multiple times for Lyme and the tests were negative. And the truth of that whole thing is if you are not being tested at the correct labs, you will not get the results. Whether you're positive or not, you're not going to get a positive result. So my, my labs were done at Igenics out in California, which really is the gold standard for labs came back glaringly obvious that I was very sick, not only with Lyme disease, but with Bartonella babesia and Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and promptly called a few doctor's offices to start inquiring about um, the best care. My functional medicine doctor said, I don't know a lot about Lyme. I would recommend you find a specialist. At the time, um, you know, it was, that's only seven years ago, guys, but it was, it was crazy that I had to send an email to a website to say, where can I find a doctor that knows about Lyme disease? I was given an email back with three names and phone numbers. Back seven years ago, you were not supposed to talk about doctors that were treating Lyme because they were not looked upon. So they were more looked upon as quacks, right? No one believed that chronic Lyme existed. And here I was sick already for five years. So um, I called the three doctor's offices and my qualifying question was, what percentage of patients in your practice have Lyme disease? And the first number I called, she said about 10, 15%. The second number I called said maybe 20, 25%. And when I called my current doctor's office and said, how many patients in your practice, what percentage have Lyme disease? The, she sort of chuckled and she said, um, 100. I said, 100% of your patients have Lyme disease. Can I have an appointment? Um, have never looked back. I have had three, three relapses. Um, the first quickly after treating, um, I think we didn't get, kill everything that we needed to kill. And I relapsed the second time in 2016, I had a house fire and lost my house and my dog, um, to a massive house fire. And six months later, I think the stress of that, you know, that mind body connection is real people. And I think that really set me for a tumble. Um, and who knows why I'm currently, um, fighting my way out of my third relapse, but. Um, the message I think for people with chronic illnesses, don't give up searching for your answer. Between 2009 and 2014, when I was looking, I think I saw over a dozen doctors as far away as Minnesota. In fact, I spent a week at the Mayo Clinic. My primary physician said, they seem to figure things out there. Maybe you want to go, you know, and let them have a crack at your case. So I worked up a three-page health history. I should also say that I'm trained as an acupuncturist back in the 90s, right out of college. I trained in uh, traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So I was very used to taking very complete health histories and wrote mine very succinctly. Um, when I got to Mayo Clinic, I sat across the table from a doctor and I had been told that Mayo Clinic was the place to be because it was a multidisciplinary approach that you would... Um, you know, you weren't just a stomach ache or a headache. And that, that's kind of what I felt like I needed. I had so many disparate symptoms. 
Um, and when I arrived at Mayo Clinic and sat down on a Monday morning at 9 a.m. across the table from a doctor who said, so what brings you to Mayo? After I had tirelessly collected all of my charts and all of my studies and written my three-page health history, um, that week was an entire disaster for me. I left with a diagnosis of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia um, and offered a boatload of drugs that they were kind of throwing at fibromyalgia at the time, um, to which I said, no, thank you, and continued my search. But um, the message is, the message is, don't stop searching. Don't give up on your health. If things are bothering you, I think, and I'm writing a book about it now called Before Your Diagnosis, How to Prevent Chronic Illness. Um, start looking at your health from the bottom up. Look at your sleep. Look at your nutrition. Look at your movement. Look at your hydration. Look at your mindfulness or your breath work practices. I call those the five pillars of health. See what can be done. See what can be changed. It's a message to anyone out there who's feeling great right now that we need to stay on top of of our wellness because we are living in a very toxic environment that will bring us down um, if we're not taking care of our health. So that is my health story, Becky. Um, currently, like I said, getting out of this um, relapse and hopefully we'll be stronger for longer, if not forever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like you've had a bit of a, such an up and down in regards to your doctor's visits, trying to figure out your story, plus to just add a house fire in between there. Like my goodness, talk about stress on stress on stress. It was a little crazy. I can imagine. And, and on top of that, of course, you know, you, you try to get some answers and you, and you go to all these different doctors and then you're misdiagnosed for five years. And oh my goodness, I know how that, how that is. I was misdiagnosed for six years and I totally get it. You totally lose you know, hope and you start to think that you're actually crazy and all this other stuff. But so throughout all of that, though, Melissa, what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to go through? I, you know, that's a, that's a good question. And to be honest, I've never thought about it. I, I am not a negative person and I choose to always look at the gifts. Um, I think it was frustrating. You know, I was a young mother. I had two little boys that were, that really, really needed me. And there were days I couldn't pick myself up off the couch. I mean, I had someone helping me take care of the boys. And um, there were days where I remember I'd get up in the morning and, um, you know, wait for the nanny to come and then make a little bit of time for them in midday and then just pray that I would have enough energy to make dinner and be with my family at night. I think though that was the hardest. Anybody who's got a chronic illness with small kids, God bless you, because we are so taxed as mothers um, just doing everything for everyone and, and wanting to and enjoying it and feeling part of it being a sense of duty, but so much fulfillment coming from motherhood, but putting that on top of chronic illness um, is a very tough place to be. And so I think for me, that was my, that was the hardest part about being sick for me is, is just not being able to do the things that I wanted to do with the people that I loved. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely takes its toll and turns your whole world from you know, it's normalcy into something that's totally upside down and totally backwards. And kind of on the flip side of that, Melissa, I know you're working on a couple of really awesome things right now, but what's the best thing to have come from all of this for you? I think it's brought me back into medicine a little bit. I mean, I, I practiced acupuncture for a while. I got out of school in 1996 and I practiced for a number of years in Boston and Philadelphia. I was an athlete myself. So I focused a lot on sports injury and prevention. Um, and then 
sort of got into the world of marketing and really enthralled in that um, I've done a lot of social media marketing. I've done, a, I've done some programming of Amazon Alexa and voice technology, um, which has been also very exciting. But to come back to health feels really like a full circle for me. And I keep asking myself with this last relapse, why? What, what Was there a message that I wasn't listening to? How was I not taking care of myself enough? And I do have a quite a few answers because I've sat with that for a while. Um, but I think the gift of this is going to be coming back to medicine. And like I said, I'm working on a book to share um, the knowledge that I've gained over the last 12 years dealing with chronic illness, um, learning how to find the right doctor, learning how to advocate for yourself as a patient, how to stop the gaslighting that happens for chronic illness patients when we have to see 12 doctors to get the right answer. Um, so coming back to medicine for me, I think is, is the gift and the gift in all this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's so important too. I mean, you know, just like you and so many other people in the world that are, um, understanding more about their disease, but being advocates for them as well. And what you're doing in regards to this book that you're writing, I mean, giving back to the community, giving back to those who are suffering. And, you know, I, I definitely applaud you in regards to what you're doing for other people. You know, you're taking your story and helping others with it, which is fantastic. It's been, it's been such a joy. And I, that brings me to something that I'm super passionate about that I wanted to share with you and your mm-hmm. listeners today, which is there's a new, a new app and it's only available currently on iPhone, hopefully in the next couple of weeks it will be available on Android. We're recording this on March 1st. So hopefully um, in a couple of weeks, it will be on Android and not only invite right now, it's an invite only um, app. However, I encourage everybody with chronic illness listening to download the Clubhouse app. There is a waiting list and sometimes you can get right in. Um, It's a voice only, so no one has to be worried about being on camera. Um, app where you can communicate with other people in the chronic. Well, you can communicate with anybody about anything, I should say. I use it to communicate to people in the chronic illness world. Um, to We start our mornings together. I'm on Clubhouse every morning from 9 to 10, moderating a room for people with chronic rare and invisible illnesses. We start our day together in positivity. We talk about Um, our wins, we celebrate our successes, we set our intention for the day with a word. It has been very game-changing for a lot of us, not only to start our day with positivity every day, but to start our day as part of a community of people that understand what chronic illness is and what that means, what our lives can look like um, with the parameters of chronic illness in place. So it's it's an app, like I said, again, it's called Clubhouse. It's for the iPhone or iPad, um, hopefully coming to Android. And you have to download it and um, be a little patient, give it a couple of days, and you should find your way in. And when you do, come find me, because I am talking all about and to people with chronic illness. And that has been a game changer. Just It's been tremendous to hear people say to each other as a witness, I can't believe I found someone with XYZ disease. I've never met anyone who shares my same condition. And the feeling of not being alone in this world with chronic illness, especially during the pandemic when we're more isolated than ever, has been a game changer. 
Absolutely. And we'll definitely put the Clubhouse app link in the podcast description as well for people to take a look at it and do a little bit of research on it. But I think that, you know, the more community that we have in regards to chronic illness, and especially people who are suffering out there with similar illnesses as other people and the ability to say, hey, like, you know, I feel like crap. And the other person can say, hey, I'm, I'm right in the same boat as you, you know, having that community and having that support is just so important for not only our healing process, but our mental wellness as well. When we're dealing with chronic pain and chronic illness, definitely. A hundred percent. And yesterday was rare disease day. Some people celebrated it today. It's traditionally celebrated February 29th. Obviously it's not a leap year. So you could celebrate it on the 28th. Some people celebrate it March 1st, um, raising awareness. We had a 24 hour clubhouse room open and people, stayed and participated and there was a talent show and there were a few different shares and trivia contests and prizes won and money was raised for the children's hospital of philadelphia they have a rare disease division with scientists working um furiously to find cures and treatments for rare diseases so all of our money that we raised went there and that was an awesome awesome day yesterday and again facilitated by clubhouse so we were so psyched that's amazing. That's so cool. And it's so nice that you could bring everyone together to be in such a positive environment as well, you know, because it's one thing to go to like a group session and you're talking about your disease or whatever it is. But if you're involved with a group where, you know, you're raising awareness, but you're also having fun and you're dealing with the talent show and, and raising money for the children's hospital as well, like that's fantastic. It really was. It really was. And then the beauty too of Clubhouse is that there was a core group of us but anybody could pop into that room and listen to some patient stories or hear a bunch of fairly sick people laughing and having fun and finding joy together. So it, mm-hmm. it does a lot. It does a lot for our community to show people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, what the more, the more that we have that positivity around this community, as opposed to the negativity, the illness and, Oh, what am I going to do with my pain sort of thing? When we have more, a more positive outlook and we have more positivity surrounding us, that sort of thing. I mean, like, let's be real. The healing process just goes crazy and, and we get better faster. For sure. For sure. Faster and better and stronger together. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing right now to help you with your Lyme disease? You said that you're kind of dealing with a bit of a relapse right now. So what, what do you go towards to help you? So in the fall, I was doing ozone therapy where they take a pint of blood from you and they mix it with O3 and they inject it back into you slowly. And the extra oxygen molecule uh, helps to beat up on the fungi and the bacteria and the candida and the mold and whatever you've got brewing in there. Um, and it was, it, for me, it's always been a great treatment. I always feel much better after. However, once I, we got into the deeper fall in the beginning of winter, it wasn't cutting it for me. And it was funny because when I went back to my Lyme doctor, she said, let me guess, you have an ozone treatment and you feel better the next day. And then two days later, you're back in the hole. And I was like, yes. Um, and so she, I work with a phenomenal doctor. Her name is Dr. Christine Gedrick. Um, in fact, she just did a podcast on Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop show. 
uh, last month in February. She came out with a new book called The Nation of Unwell, and I'm actually bringing her onto Clubhouse on March 24th at 7 p.m. to talk about chronic illness and the state, kind of the state of the world and what a mess it is and what we can do to arm ourselves and protect ourselves from developing chronic illness. I mean, very much in, in the same light of the book that I'm working on, the same sort of concepts is of avoiding this mess, you know, before you get sick. Um, but anyway, she's up in Morristown, New Jersey, and she works with um, a bunch of the same basic labs like LabCorp and Quest that most doctors work with. However, she does her Lyme testing out in Igenics, which is out in California, and she's working with a lab uh, called IGL in Germany. Um, and the, the studies that they do um, pick up things in the system like parasites, um, candida, bacteria, different kinds of bacteria, right? So they're really looking for all of the tick-borne diseases. There's 12 very well-known tick-borne pathogens, um, and it looks for those, as well as um, toxins at the genetic level, which is pretty interesting and, and very forward-thinking future medicine. Um, and so I had that study done in December and what it told her was that my system was very overburdened. My immune system wasn't working well. My white blood cell count was low, um, almost as if something was sitting on top of me, not letting me heal. And so the idea was before we can start to kill bacteria, we know that there's four different, at least four different pathogens, right? I've got the Lyme, the Bartonella, the Babesia and the Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, but before we can even attempt to kill them, we have to make sure there's no parasites, there's no mold, um, the heavy metals get lifted, whatever's sitting on the genes um, gets scrubbed. And so she uses um, a cocktail in an IV. Um, it used to be called the PK protocol for Patricia Kane, who started a company called Body Bios that looks at the cell membrane. This is a little technical, but um, I'll try to keep it basic. Um, she's added a few different things to her cocktail. Christine Gedrick has added a few different things to her cocktail, and again, different for each patient. One of the main ingredients is um, butyrate, which really acts to scrub the cells clean. Because when we talk about detox, we need to detox all the way down to the cellular level to lift some of those heavy metals and things out of the body. Um, and so I paired, I did eight of those IVs um, and it was a three hour ordeal uh, paired with colonics, which I was very reticent about and not super psyched about, but I really felt like energetically stuff was really moving for me um, with the combination of the IV and um, the colonic. So I just completed treatment last week. In fact, this morning before this call, I um, was up at her office doing a repeat blood work that's getting sent to Germany tonight. And I will anxiously await to see if we, if the IVs have done their magic. And then we look at what's left. When we, when we treat Lyme disease, right? I don't know if you've heard the analogy of an onion. It really can be used for anybody's body, mm -hmm. any chronic illness, or even people who are well. But when you look at an onion, you can only see that outside layer. And once you've treated that outside layer, for many people, it might be parasites or heavy metals or mold. Um, 
one layer will peel away and you'll have something completely different. You might lose an entire set of symptoms. Your headaches might be gone, but boy, the next layer is like your stomach aches. And now we treat that. We look at what could be causing that and we try to lift that layer away. And then the third layer down, your headaches might be back or you might have a skin rash that's an outbreak because your body's detoxing heavily. So you don't know what's in those deeper layers until you can remove those outside layers. So hopefully my outside layers are gone and um, there isn't too much bacteria left. My immune system should bounce back a little bit. My NK cells, which are the cells that are the killer cells, um, should be able to do a little bit of damage to whatever's in there, you know, whatever the bacteria are that are I'm fighting against. And then hopefully once the test results come back, I can start doing some herbal remedies. Um, a big believer in taking herbs back to my oriental, med oriental medicine training, but be able to take some herbs that will help me to tackle the bacteria that are left. So that's where I am. I mean, I'm, I think um, I think it's the right way to approach things. I think a lot of doctors would unknowingly will start trying to kill in patients that are very, very weak, and that creates a whole other set of problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, well, let us know, well, let me know when you have the results back to, you know, hopefully everything is kind of subsided and, and everything is kind of nice and healthy for you. So keep me in the loop in regards to that. But in regards to yeah. the doctors and that sort of thing, it's just interesting because as you said early on in this podcast, you know, there is no real procedure for doctors to follow in regards to treat Lyme disease or chronic Lyme disease. You know, like, like you said, people that used to seek out Lyme doctors in the past would think that they're kind of nuts sort of thing. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why there are so many people out there that aren't being properly treated or, or are being treated too aggressively. Like you say, when you were detoxing for an entire year, like Lyme disease, I've, I'm, lucky because I've never had Lyme disease, but I know a lot of people who have, and it is a very, very, very hard disease to get rid of, but also to manage just in general, because it's so different for every single person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it looks like on paper, 15 different disparate symptoms. How yeah. could numbness in your foot and migraines twice a week and stomach pain be tied to the same thing? Right. For, for exactly. doctors trained in Western medicine, right, they, those things are not connected. They would send you to probably either a doctor to look at the nerves of your feet or a podiatrist. They'd send you to a GI doctor for your stomach ache, and they'd send you to neuro for your headache, um, which, again, is why I recommend functional medicine. It's a new, newer specialty, um, board-certified doctors, MDs um, who have specialized training to look at the body sort of at the root cause. And I also wanted to say, Becky, just so you know, and your listeners know, there is certification happening for doctors who are interested in learning about Lyme. Um, a designation that they can use is LLMD, which stands for Lyme Literate Medical Doctor. And I believe if they go to the ILADS, ILADS.org, which is one of the big Lyme disease and tick-borne disease websites in this country, um, they can do a mentorship with a doctor who is already trained and Lyme literate and learn. Um, I'm not sure, I'm, I, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not sure of the whole procedure, but I know that that 
exists for doctors who are interested in further furthering their trainer, training in Lyme. And especially if they're living in the East Coast of the U.S., I mean, all doctors should really be considering this because the number of cases of Lyme are exploding and patients are going to be coming into their offices mm-hmm. seeking answers. And this is a great way for them to equip themselves with some knowledge to be able to treat those patients. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're so <laughs> right. And, um, you know, that's, that's really exciting to hear that there's going to be more doctors that are interested or that, well, hopefully more doctors are, are interested in becoming Lyme literate because you're right. There's more and more and more people that are coming out with the symptoms of Lyme and, and being diagnosed with Lyme or people that have, for example, fibromyalgia and they've had fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue for 10, 15 years, and they've just been misdiagnosed for years and years and years. And, you know, so that'll be really interesting to see. Maybe there's going to be a huge shift in the Lyme community um, and, and the people that are suffering with Lyme because of these new Lyme literate doctors. That'll be awesome. And also interesting what's happening with long haul COVID. I've been talking to some um, medical doctors that I'm friends with, and a lot of those long-haul COVID symptoms look very much like Lyme disease. Not saying that it is, but just saying that that's the same sort of syndrome that we see, which is this overwhelming amount of fatigue, a lowered immune response, just not being able to get over whatever it is, you know, the flu or the cold or whatever they, whatever the next thing is that you get. Um, That's what long haul COVID is looking like. And that's very similar to Lyme disease. So chronic illness is a big problem. Um, 60% of Americans, in fact, have been diagnosed with a chronic illness and 40% of those have at least one diagnosis. I, I mean, sorry, have at least two diagnoses. So maybe depression and migraines or chronic fatigue and irritable bowel syndrome or multiple sclerosis and Lyme disease. Um, so it's 60% and, and edging higher all the time. It's frightening. Yeah, that's crazy. That's just crazy. And it just makes you wonder, you know, like, where is this all coming from? You know, why are we all so sick? Anyways, that's a, that's a topic for another time. <laughs> so yeah, Melissa, that's, a, wanna... that's a good reason to... Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, that's a good reason to read Christine Gedrick's book, A Nation of Unwell, because that's exactly what it talks about, all the toxins that are in our environment. And guys, it is possible for us to live much cleaner lives by making better choices, simple Mm -hmm. changes and better choices. I've had a podcast for the last three years myself. My podcast, much different than yours, Becky, is no guests, and it's three minutes because it was programmed for Amazon Alexa, Um, but it's called The Good Company, Today's Health Tip. And it's simply three minutes of something that you could do in that very moment and that very day to take care of your wellness, to avoid chronic illness in the first place. Every day, if we just spend a few minutes thinking about our wellness, it goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to put the, your podcast link and all that information in the podcast description so that my listeners can take a look at that as well, because that's really cool. I'm going to have to listen to that every single day too, because if it's only three minutes long, why not? That's awesome. That is such a really cool idea. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, for me, I always say, if you're not thinking about your, if you're not thinking about your wellness, you're going to be thinking about your sickness. Well, and exactly. if every day we're making, we're making simple changes and better choices. Every day. That's mm-hmm. all I ask my clients to do. Make a, make a better choice. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to have the best choices. If you're on a road trip and it's a choice between McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King, you make the best choice that you've got out of those menus, right? You don't always have yeah. the opportunity to make amazing choices, but if you always are making better choices, looking for the best one, you're, 
already ahead of the game. Absolutely. Well, we're just at time here, Melissa. So I just want to thank you so much for being vulnerable, telling your story and letting us know what you're up to in regards to your Lyme and just giving us some tips and that sort of thing in, for the Lyme community. But before we get going, how can my listeners get in touch with you? You can find me on Clubhouse. I'm Melissa Klopacki. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Melissa Hall Klopacki. Um, anyone interested in more information, feel free to DM me over on Instagram. Perfect. And I will make sure that all of your contact details are in the podcast description as well. Super, Becky. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. No, thank you so much, Melissa. And, you know, maybe we'll have you back on the podcast uh, on a later date when everybody's on your clubhouse and watching all your different uh, inspirational and and motivational talks and that sort of thing. So I really appreciate your time, Melissa, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Okay, Becky. Thanks so much. No worries. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Melissa and I will catch you on the flip side. 